So the year was 2008, I think it was 2008, 2009, I was knocking on doors uh, for uh, this South Side church plant that I was a part of, Living Waters. And I went to a door of an older gentleman, and I went to the door, and, and, and as he opened the door, uh, he had a tough voice, kind of a, he wasn't mean, but it was tough, and, and he said, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? It was political season, as it always is, right? I hesitated. I mean, that's an easy question. Before I get to my answer, I want to back up to the early 90s. I was getting into politics, heavy. I remember the first time it became real to me, I was listening with my mom to Phil Donahue. You remember him? <laughs> well, he had this radio personality on, and he spoke with passion. He seemed to really stump Phil. But he made sense. I would continue to educate myself in the area of politics, especially on the party of this gentleman. Because I believed he had all the answers to a better life. I would help people from this party. Yeah, I know. I was one of those guys back in the day that would call you. <laughs> I helped political candidates. I would make calls. I would get involved. I remember in 2000, I became a precinct, 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 yeah, a delegate for my east side home. I actually stood up and uh, waxed eloquently on why you should vote for this guy in 2000, how he's going to change the world. I would sit around water coolers at work all the while just trying to convince people why my candidate was the best. And I got to tell you, I had a lot of converts. Praise the Lord. <laughs> no, just kidding. Something took place in my life in 2001, directly as a result of this ministry here at Salaville Church. And it began to change my perspective. By the grace of God, through a Bible study and encouragement, uh, prayers uh, from my wife witnessing and, and an individual Chuck here, Jesus Christ saved my soul. Amen. By God's grace, I came to understand what my sin was, specifically my sin of unbelief. I did not believe that Jesus alone could save me. I needed to do something. Well, I put my faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. There were many things that God would continue to work in my life. And so what I'm sharing tonight is not that I've arrived. Or that I want to shame you with politics. But I would like you to consider some things. So back to the door. I knocked on the door, and he asked me, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Easy question. My answer was, that's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm here. 
I couldn't believe that came out of my voice. That's not why I'm here. So tonight I want to talk to you about politics. Again, the fact that I was asked to do this, I'm, I'm telling you, God is working in my life. With the advancements of technology before Facebook, 24-hour news, the cycle of information, it really fires us up, doesn't it? So tonight I want you to consider from God's word what our biblical responsibility is with politics. What is a biblical responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ when it comes to politics? Now, I'm going to take a very simplistic role uh, because I know that a lot of you know these things, but remind yourself of these things and hopefully some of the stories that I share will encourage you. The first thing I want to tell you what the Bible says is that we are to pray for our leaders. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, First of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and those who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the fact that we are to pray for our leaders, because I know you do. I was actually, I stole one of your prayerly, uh, prayer week things that you had for Easter. And I saw that that was actually one of the things you were praying for. So I'm very encouraged. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But the one comment I would make when it comes to prayers is this. What kind of prayers do you have? Is it based on the people that you have in the party? For example, do you pray a lot of imprecatory prayers when it's not the person you like? I see a lot of posts about prayer when it comes to a specific person that we like. But I wonder, do we pray for the people we don't like? I would argue that you should pray for them more. Or maybe your heart towards them. But if you're wondering how should you pray for leaders, the Bible actually gives us a lot of examples. I'll just give you a couple. In Psalm uh, 2, uh, verse 10 and 11 says, Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. So what can you pray for uh, the political figures, the peoples who are leading? You can pray that they would have wisdom. It's a good thing. That they would serve the Lord. Pray for their salvation. Just because they tell you they're saved doesn't mean they are. They want your vote. <laughs> Proverbs 11 says, you could pray this. Proverbs 11 says, for a lack of guidance, a nation falls. But victory is won through many advisors. For Trump, that would be a weekly thing you could pray for. He goes through a lot of them. <laughs> Pray he chooses wise ones. We need to pray for our leaders. That is your biblical responsibility, follower of Christ. The second thing I want you to do is educate yourself. You need to educate yourself. Now, these opinions I'm going to share 
are the opinions of Greg Pollock, not necessarily those of Sailorville Church. That's my addendum, okay? Thank you. Just making sure you... When I choose a candidate from a biblical perspective, here's what I would encourage you to do. What are things that God loves? That's a good thing to choose a candidate by. For example, life. God loves life, including those in the womb. You know, my wife was pro-choice. She had been taught that and always believed it seemed like it was the right thing to be. Then God saved her. And she began to read the Bible. And she learned about what God thinks about life. Now, how about verses like Job 31, 15? Did not he who made me in the womb make him? How about Jeremiah 1, 5? These are familiar verses, but should be those which should educate you as well. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God loves people. All people. Immigrants. All kinds of people. Do you love people? We need to educate ourselves because there are lots of people who want to garner your vote. The question is, is, as my wife had to answer, is what does the Word of God say? It changed the way she thought. It wasn't some angry person yelling at her or setting up a sign picketing in front of her. It was the gospel that changed her. Now, another thing that I have begun to educate myself when it comes to a, a, a political party or somebody that I'm going to vote for is, will the candidate promote a national or a global agenda? Now, again, these are my views. These are ways I look at the Bible and see what it says. Chris Lenore, our teaching pastor at High Point Church, did an amazing teaching during the political season on this. And so a lot of these notes and what I'm going to talk about is, is from him, and I, and I appreciate him very much. But, but God promotes a national agenda, not a global agenda. We know that from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. We, we know the story of the Tower of Babel. But did you know that God does not want a one-world nation? So don't vote for a candidate who does. God separated our languages for a means of keeping us separate. Now, I'm not talking about evangelism. We'll get to that. But this is talking about nations. And God used nations to curb our propensity to sin. You can see that in verse 4. God established a division of nations. Now, I said I wasn't, I didn't mean evangelistically. Listen, we are to bring the gospel to the world. We are to be global evangelists. Amen? But when it comes to educating yourselves on a political candidate, you should choose those who promote national 
agendas, not global. Again, these are views expressed by Greg Pollock, not necessarily those of Saleville Church. <laughs> you know, I find it interesting in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus does give that great commission, he does start in their nation first. Other things that I think about in regards to educating myself about what God loves, God loves the nation of Israel. I will find a candidate that supports Israel. Deuteronomy 7, 6, and 8, we see uh, this, this support of Israel. Uh, we see in John chapter 4, verse 22, specifically. Do we have that verse up there? Well, you're going to have to look it up later. <laughs> Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8, Jesus loved, God loves the nation of Israel, and he has a plan for them. So, we are to pray for our leaders, we are to educate ourselves, and then we are to submit to God's plan. What if the person that you want doesn't win? Well, 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 and 14, and Romans chapter 13 give us some great indications of what we're supposed to do. We are to submit. That means come under. For the Lord's sake, it says, to the governors sent by God for punishment, potentially, for evildoers. Listen to me. And this is important when it comes to submitting to God's plan. You know, we're not 100% sure on who the leader, who the ruler was during the letter to 1 Peter or Peter's letter that he wrote. I come under the conclusion that it was Nero. Not everyone agrees with that. But let's just say that I'm right and it was Nero. Either way, they had a bad leader. And so Peter is telling these Christians to submit to someone who's anti-God. Why? Because I think Peter is saying this, and you could look throughout the whole letter. This submission to leaders that maybe don't fit your ilk, you become a witness to those that are around you. You become the Bible they're not reading. How do you respond when worldly leaders, or sorry, how do you respond when your worldly rights are compromised? Did you, did you catch what I said there? How do you respond when someone in the government tells you something about your worldly rights? We're not talking about godly rights, but your worldly rights. Because the world, the unbelieving world, is looking at how Christians respond. Peter says, and Paul says, submit so that you can be a Bible that they're not reading. As a pastor... Now, I have people from all different parties in the church in Altoona. 
And I got a call one time. It was probably a year or two in. And the couple was brand new. They just started coming. And you know, as a church planner, anybody and everybody, it's just great. So I met with this couple and they came one time and they told me they weren't going to come back. And I said, oh, okay. I I really want to know why. And she told me because I wouldn't tell people who to vote for. She saw the church as an opportunity to tell people who to vote for. And because I wouldn't tell people, she didn't think it was a church that she could go to. Listen to me. Where was this person's trust? I don't care what political sign a person has in their driveway. I care if they know the gospel. Be wise when you are posting something online. Think about this for a second. When you're about ready to post something political, when you're about ready because you're fired up because we got plenty of memes to go about, right? When you have that opportunity, I want you to stop for just a second and ask yourself, is this going to stop my progress for the gospel with someone? The hatred that is coming from professing believers on both sides is so sickening. We are to be different. Are we? God wants us to live out the words of God that people aren't reading. What are they reading when they see you? I just wanted to shame you a little bit. As I conclude, that man... I talked to at the beginning, or that what I was telling you about at the beginning. That guy I knocked on the door. Can I share you how that story continues? He was saved and baptized. And him and his wife are serving members of Living Waters Fellowship right now. And by the way, by the grace of God, and it always is, I met their son who happened to be in there, who had recently gone through a divorce and was absolutely depressed. And by God's grace, we did a Bible study and he got saved and baptized. And there's a picture. So follower of Christ, we do have biblical responsibilities. It's really simple. Pray, educate yourself, and submit to God's plan. So that when you go to the next person's door, when you're knocking on that person's door, when you're knocking on your neighbor's door, your coworker's door, your friend's door, your family's door, they want to know why you're there. What are you going to tell them? Do you want to win them to Christ or win them to your political party? 
One last thing. When should we be concerned? I didn't say worry. They're two different words. When should we be concerned? Well, when the government says we can't share the gospel. Because then we listen to what Paul says, or we listen to what Peter says. We listen to what the first Christians say. We would obey God rather than man. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you for this time that we could spend together. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would seal some of these things that I've said in the hearts and lives of the people here that truly know you. And then the ones that are here and they're putting their faith and trust in a better life now. I would pray that they would come under the same conviction I did in November 2nd, 2001. That Jesus alone, that you alone, Jesus, died for my sins. And you give me hope of eternal life. My prayer is that as Christians, we would be a Bible that the unbelieving world isn't reading. And that we might win many people to Jesus Christ. For it's in your name I pray. Amen.